Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to Disney Insights. Thanks for joining us today. Well, finally, after what has been years of waiting, the centerpiece of what was formerly Future World is reopening as World Celebration in Epcot. We cover the opening day and evening, and what the central promenade looks like during both day and night. It's a brand new hub only for Epcot and not Magic Kingdom. We also take the opportunity to see the premiere of Luminous on its first night as a replacement to Harmonious. This is a pivotal day for Epcot. The culmination of some 25 additional offerings and attractions made at Epcot within the last five years and perhaps the most central moment tied to Disney's 100 celebration here at Walt Disney World. So we're bringing you the wonder and discovery of it all. It's where the impossible becomes possible. And it's the opening day on what is the 122nd birthday of Walt Disney. So join us for the premiere of Luminous and the opening of World Celebration at Epcot. Make sure you check out DisneyInsights.com because we'll have a lot of photos, uh, some videos, some links, uh, uh, outline of everything we talked about. There's so much to cover today. I almost was tempted to make this into two podcasts uh, because there really just is so much to consider and think about here. So make sure you check that out. Make sure if you have a chance to please subscribe to both DisneyInsights.com and to this podcast so you are notified of upcoming podcasts when they come out. We don't want you to miss a thing. Well, again, there has been, if you go back to 2019, in particular, the D23 event that summer of 2019, the Earth, the Moon, and the Stars were promised for Epcot during that time. And in the process, we have seen actually what is a fairly major transformation to this park. And I think it provides us a context for the importance of what happened uh, during this premiere of Luminous and, and of um, World Celebration. First of all, let's just look at all the things that have occurred in terms of new attractions and new offerings that have come to this park. Just beginning, even before you get in the park, there was a whole new parking lot restructuring in terms of the tram, trams, the security, all that. That seems like a long time ago, but that was, that was a very big piece of the beginning. And a new entrance was created for Epcot, which restored the original fountain look with its cascading water. Um, added a whole series of flags and nighttime lighting. And we shouldn't mention, we shouldn't forget the LED lighting, which came to Spaceship Earth during the 50th anniversary. Those were big additions that um, were added into it, along with the new Connections Cafe uh, and a new, or a new, actually, uh, Starbucks is the Connections Cafe, the Connections restaurant behind it. Um, a new pin traders location. Remember, there used to be one right in the middle of Future World. That was moved to the front of the park. Um, and then a World of Disney shop um, was put in at um, uh, American Adventure, where before it had um, had an open uh, location 
uh, much further up in the park. A new Club Cool was added. A new Creation Shop, big major retail addition was added. To remember, remember when we were all shopping at a mouse, a temporary mouse gears on the backside near Universe of Energy. I mean, there's been a lot of changes over the last few years. New character meet and greets, uh, probably too many uh, to to be shared here. Um, a Beauty and the Beast sing along film that came in early to 20 or 12, 2020 along with Canada Far and Wide and Awesome Planet. If you have not seen the last two, I highly recommend those. In fact, I think if you look through this, you're going to see there's probably four or five things you may not have done so far. There's even things I've not done yet. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Talk about massive new attraction that has changed that corner of the park completely. On the other end of the park, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. And that whole additional, which was beautiful last night when I went through it, it had all been decorated for Christmas. It looked really, really lovely. Very, very, so it just had this Paris aesthetic to it. Um, the new uh, Creperie de, de Paris uh, restaurant next to Remy's. The Space 220 restaurant next to Mission Space. Um, Shikisai uh, Sushi Isakaya. I hope I pronounced that correct. I have not tried that restaurant, nor have I tried Takumite yet. Um, gonna have to save my save my um, uh, Disney dollars a little bit more to get to Takumite. But again, big new offerings that have been added in the last couple of years. A smaller one, La Gelateria Toscana, which uh, is offering ice cream, kind of an ice cream venue at Italy. A renovated Odyssey restaurant. If you recall, that was a whole bunch of, uh, that had a multi-tier experience to it. And it actually had a stage, which I thought the stage it should have kept. But all that is now flattened out and makes it much more accessible. And then it's all been themed out. Um... I wasn't going to get into Festival of the Holidays much, but I got to say it was beautifully decked out for the holidays with its cookie menu. There were like six different cookies and frozen hot chocolate and a big Santa meet and greet that's been moved from American Adventure over to Odyssey. Just really makes that a focal point over there at, at that corner of the the park. I really like what they have done. It better than even the Muppet Labs thing that they did during Food and Wine. Um, definitely go check that out if you're here during the holidays. Um, a new figment meet and greet, uh, journey of water inspired by Moana just added a, a month and a half ago. Modifications and additions to attractions like, um, Soren and living with the land, um, and three new fireworks shows. I mean, remember when they left, um, Illuminations, Reflections of Earth. They went to the temporary Epcot Forever show, and then they went to Harmonious, and then back to Epcot Forever for a time, for forever for a time, and then and then finally last night with the new Luminous show, and then finally also the Skyliner, which I consider to be a part of this. Of over 25 different additions and uh attractions and experiences have been added to Epcot over the last five years. So yes, there are some things that didn't happen. 
At the top of that list is the Mary Poppins attraction, which honestly was a little disappointing what they had in mind. It was more of a spinning teacup kind of thing. I wanted something much bigger, and I think Mary Poppins is still do something much bigger. Play Pavilion would have been one of those bigger things. It's still uh, missing in lieu of um, that Wonders of Life space. Wonders China is a film that has no, no explanation behind it as to why that has not appeared. A new version of Spaceship Earth hasn't happened. Um, there's some other elements. Well, and the biggest of those dealing with um, what has now become world um, uh, world celebration is the original concept of the Festival Center. So these things had not ended up falling by way of the budget or just being determined as not being the best choices of, of time and money. Um, but notwithstanding, there has been a lot done. And you could probably look at that list and identify some things you haven't yet done on that. So, and now we've added world celebration. The, the centerpiece, which has been fenced up for so long. Um, world celebration is bigger than that fenced area, actually. It actually begins with the entryway and that original sculpture that I just mentioned a minute ago with its fountain or cascading fountain around it, the whole area. That is where World Celebration begins. It includes Spaceship Earth. It continues through um, um, the, the World Celebration Gardens that we're going to talk about today. It will eventually include Communicore, which was is a building being constructed still, not completed, looking promising. It, along with um, with the uh, Communicore Plaza, which is going to have kind of a concert area attached to it. And then, actually, most people don't realize, but Journey into Imagination with Figment is also considered part of World Celebration. It's not along the spine, the center spine of going into Epcot, but it is a separate area distinctly different from what has now become world nature with the land, the seas, and um, journey of water um, inspired by Moana, which has now become its own little piece. So, um, so that's the whole of world celebration. And I think it's, it's really going to be interesting to see because what happens when you get to Communicore, the Communicore building kind of sits and frames itself separate and kind of um, makes it distinctly um, a wall against world nature in its own way. But the Communicore Plaza kind of opens up and is going to allow you to see Journey to Imagination before. And remember, with the original um, intervention and um, Communicore buildings that were there, you couldn't even see those outer areas, whether it was Test Track Horizons or the land and the seas. You couldn't see. This has opened up a whole lot more, and I think you're going to see more of that, that continuation of the space that takes you from the world celebration over to Journey to Imagination. It'll be interesting to see how, how that um, plaza area kind of opens up and moves traffic in that direction. 
But the part that opened yesterday was essentially World Celebration Gardens. And so I asked the question, what is World Celebration Gardens? Well, it's a number of things. First off, it's a passageway and, and a hub. In other words, people, it's a way for people to get in and out of the park. It's, a, it's the major thoroughfare for moving out throughout the park. It's always been that. But now I think it's become much more. Um, I think it has some wonderful touches that really plays out more to the Epcot original themes and, of course, to Walt Disney, which is the first of its really, it's not one space, it's really six distinct neighborhoods or districts in the gardens area. The first of being this Walt Disney statue called, which is called Dreamer's Point. It sits up high. It has kind of an overlook to the rest of World Celebration Gardens. And, um, and it is the first, it sits up against uh, Spaceship Earth or the unloading interactive area of Spaceship Earth. And it's, it's, if you were to look at a clock and if you were to look at the map, and I have a copy of the map in here, but if you were to look at the map and think about Dreamer's Point as being the 12 o'clock hour. Then if you move toward the, 10 uh, the 2 o'clock hour, you get to what is Connections Cafe and an outdoor dining area. So Connections Cafe has had all those wonderful little indoor spaces. Now it's got outdoor spaces and there are lots of seating style choices. There are is everything from big, massive, I mean, not hold your family of four or six, it's hold your family of, of 14. It, there are big tables out there. At the same time, there are also these Adirondack chairs that just, um, you, you could just be off by yourself and it's all within this um, tree-like um, shaded area. So that is probably the second of the six distinct neighborhoods here. At the four o'clock point, you have probably the emptiest space. You could see these kind of two pigeonhole areas, which I think at one point they were talking about it becoming a kind of beer garden, and it may be still a beer garden to be. It may actually include some food kiosks or maybe more cart-like spaces. That's a possibility to that area. Right now, what was interesting is actually seeing characters like Pluto and Daisy just kind of wandering around that area, which I really liked about that. Don't take that away. Then don't don't stage it. Don't make it a line. Just make it casual characters walking around this area. But I clearly see that this four o'clock district is still a little bit more in the coming. Um, then you get. Well, um, at the at the six o'clock point, you then have kind of the exit toward World Showcase, but then you come to the four o'clock. Uh, I'm sorry, the eight o'clock space, and what you get is really what's going to. Be, it's already out there. It's outdoor dining spaces as well, similar, or more comparable, comparable to what you saw with. Connections Cafe, but it's going to be associated with 
with the Communicore building when it's completed. And that, but that's a whole quiet little dining, little separated out. It's not on the main thoroughfare. It's, it's all clustered to itself. It's very cool. Then you get to the, the 9, 930 position. <clears throat> uh, it's more 10 position. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you get to these tree sculptures. They're made out of metal. It's uncertain exactly in my mind what they're supposed to be. Um, they offer a little bit of shade. When I walked in that morning, the, the whole ground in that area was wet. They could have just hosed that area off. I couldn't help but wonder if these are eventually kind of uh, mist areas or little water play areas. They look a little bit like the Singapore Super, Gar Super Grove Garden in Singapore, which um, probably saying that is offending some Singapore people because, because those trees are massive in size, but they are sculptures. In their case, they're more nighttime, um, they're nighttime as well as daytime kind of structures. Anyway, and some seating in that area. More to come as to what exactly is playing out there. And then in the centerpiece is a hub planter. Now, originally, <clears throat> originally, images showed that there would be a, and it was it had a title to it. It was called Story Fountain that was going to be in the center of this. If you were to be able to look down on it from the air, or maybe from the monorail and passing, you'll see that there's a, an outline of, of the Epcot logo around this planter. The planter essentially has plants plus some seating area. Lots of seating area. I was going to be very critical if they didn't have enough seating area, but I have to say there are plenty of places in all of World Celebration and lots of different kinds of places to, to grab a seat and to just enjoy that so forth. So, but this becomes the centerpiece in some ways, it 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 becomes a bookend. Although I wonder, with with the Walt Disney statue being on one end and this being on the other end, it's certainly the bookend for the gardens. I can't help but think that Journey to Imagination could, in time, become more the bookend for all of World Celebration. But <clears throat> you get the idea of that this centerpiece hub planner. Now, there is nighttime lighting. And it's, it's really kind of um, a plastic inlaid lighting that then changes. There were some, I think, originally they mentioned the idea that there would be about 12,000 programmable LED features in all of World Celebration. I believe that, and I believe there's more to come when you add the actual Communicore building. Um... But this was, this was um, all kind of lit up on the ground at night. If you remember the little fiber optics, I was hoping they would have something comparable to that and that that or that they would move those or something and, and showcase it. That did not live and I don't see any evidence of those. So I'm a little disappointed by that. But there is another aspect to this. This is much more of a social gathering space um, than what it was previously. And in fact... It is a, dare I say the word, park, as in theme park. And it really does a great job of doing just that. 
It's not a ride. It's not an attraction. It's a park. And in fact, as I review this and as I think about this, this is a hub in the same way that there is a hub in front of the castle at the Magic Kingdom. This hub comes much sooner. Um, you probably need more of a hub in the middle of World Showcase, but that would be all water, right? So you can't have a hub there, but this is the hub for Epcot and for particularly for the world, for where you go there because you can make a right into World Nature. You can go um, make a left into World Discovery or you can continue straight on into World Showcase and in that regard, it's a hub. And frankly, it exceeds all other park hubs. It, my chief complaint about the Magic Kingdom hub and what it has become is they took out the park in an effort to make sure everybody had a view of those fireworks at night. They took out anything that was reminiscent of a tree or reminiscent of shade. There is some plant landscaping there is artificial turf, but by and large, it has become a big, disappointing plaza. It's just a big, open plaza. Uh, to be honest, worse than that is uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios, which I love dearly. But when you get to the front of world of um, of uh, the Chinese theater, even though there is a planter-like area where the, the sorcerer hat used to be, the larger space is just one big open plaza. And it too is frankly kind of ugly. Uh, I love so much of Disney's Hollywood Studios, but it's not right there. I love the Chinese theater, but it's not the plaza in front. Um, even Animal Kingdom, which is beautifully themed as you get, the hub is kind of Discovery Island. And when you cross over the bridge and go into Discovery Island, you have the Tree of Life. It is beautiful, it is elegant. But it's not much of a park space. There isn't a lot of place to just grab a seat and just take it all in and enjoy it. It's more of a vehicle to get people in and out. And in fact, that's what this entire space was before. It was simply a passageway where people were going in and out of the park. And for me, what was there before? Uh, well, even, even in the original days of Epcot, when um, you had the, the Stargate restaurant and so forth, you had a couple little ponds in that area, but very little, again, very little vegetation, very few trees and anything of a park-like nature. It was more of a plaza area and open in space and it became even more open and at the time of the millennium, the whole thing with canvassing it with a purple or violet tarp, I thought the whole thing was ugly and it just felt like a death march going from World Showcase past the two bodies of water on that land bridge through that section with the tarps, past Spaceship Earth, past the opening and then to your parking lot. It just felt like a death march on a hot summer day. This is a welcome oasis. And I really have to say, this is so much better than what has been there ever before in any of its original incar incar incarnations, incantations, incarnations. 
Uh, so I really like that. It also has an altering layered terrain. So you kind of, when you're at Dreamer's Point, you're kind of at a vista. You kind of go down to other levels and the up to other levels. I really like that. And it feels, I really, it doesn't feel like it's all flat and it's all the same. It, it, it has a, a variation to it that's very cool. And the best of all, it's got trees. It's got shade. Now, there was a there was a plan made by Imagineers, and I tried to look it up. I thought it was like called Garden of Eden or Eden or something. But there was a time where they saw doing this to all the future world, adding a lot of trees. This isn't quite that, but it's probably better a better use of space. Just to put up trees for trees' sake is not enough. To create a more functional park space where, again, you have these six districts and they all have a purpose. They all have their own thing. Lots of seating area. I just really think that's so good. And yet there's trees and shade to enjoy it with. Um, now, you get to the heat and the humidity. How much are you going to really enjoy that in the middle of the day? Maybe not, but still it's far better than what was there previously. If I had a major complaint, I feel like there's no kinetic element. Um, I needed to see more motion. If there was a kinetic element, it was just the fact that there were a lot of people kind of moving through. But um, I, it took me to the mobile sculptures, which were done at Disneyland Paris. I've done a video of them. And... I think they need to take something like that out of Disneyland Paris and put them in so you have something more of, of a kinetic look. Now, what really makes for a kinetic look is a fountain. Water adds, adds a really nice kinetic element to it. In, in uh, my friend Brian, who uh, struggles with some hearing loss, he noted, though, that often the fountains, and particularly the ones prior that were in Future World, created a lot of white noise to them. And he's right. This doesn't, you don't have the white noise and that feeling. Uh, you hear other people, you hear the music. Um, but, um, so maybe that's, that's the good aspect of it. I did notice that in the images created for what this would become, this was going to be the center, again, world celebration. It's going to be the festival center. And that will be supported a lot with the Communicore building. But you saw diagrams where you'd see like snowflakes or some kind of wintry element, you know, jutting out from planters and things like that. Um, you saw none of that here. All it is is park at this point. Doesn't mean it won't be added in time. I could see the elements added to it. And, and frankly, it was all they could do to get it out to opening. Although we'll talk about the length of time it took. What I'm, where I'm trying to go with this is to say that um, um, I, I'm missing the festival element and the and the music that plays in that area. It's the same music you hear in the front of the park when you first enter and you come into uh, Spaceship Earth. It's playing throughout. I might have liked some wintry music and again, seasonal elements added to that area. So we'll see where it goes. But that 
I felt like the festival aspect is is still a long ways from happening. I mentioned that the, the I mentioned mentioned several times Communicore and Communicore Plaza. I have to say that while that is still undergoing, it has a a look that's really kind of cool that links up to the geodesic uh, shapes of Spaceship Earth, but it adds more color. I think this is going to be a, a fairly interesting looking uh, building. So I I quite like it. Now, why did it take what has been <clears throat> about four years or more to make all these changes? I mean, you're just looking at it and going, this is a park. Why did this take so long to build a park? It didn't take four years to build a park. What it took was figuring out what was going with it. And I think the big thing that caused that delay was the original design had this three-tiered festival center. One in which you could go to the roof of the building at the, on the third layer, on the top layer, and have this overlook of Epcot, and in particular with groups, because this is going to be a big event experience space, be able to look out over the fireworks. Um, they canceled that. And in its place has now come Communicore. And I think I think that is the reason why it has taken us so long is because they changed out from one building to the next and they needed to see how the rest of these elements were going to align with the change in that building. Now, why is there no festival center like the one they designed? Architecturally, it was interesting and I like that. I like interesting architecture at Epcot. Part of it had to do, I think, with COVID and just the whole world closing down, which delays construction in and of itself. I think they really realized that this was an expensive project. And while you would have gotten a lot of money from people paying to have their dessert party up there at the top, I don't think they saw I don't think I don't think they saw that the budget was worth the the income gained. I think they also discovered at some point that while it was close, closer to the lagoon than anything else, it was still a distance with that body of water that separates the front of the park from the from the world showcase element. I think, and, and by the way, there's a monorail beam um, that goes by it as well. I think they somehow realized that it's not going to be that big an attraction to be on that roof looking at the fireworks because the fireworks are so far. I think that's why there was a Stargate in Harmonious is they were trying to, and if you recall, I mentioned this too, Stargate was never fully north. It was, it was tilted a little toward what would have been the festival center. Just slightly. It wasn't much, but there was a slight tilt to it, angled to it that focused toward the, um, what would have been the festival center. I think they just determined that it was just too far. I also wonder because of those bodies of water between the front and the back half of the park, if there weren't sinkhole issues. There were sinkhole issues in that area, just outside of what was um, the um, um, Club Cool, the original Club Cool area. There were some big issues around sinkholes at that time 
or they were certainly fenced up and they were digging in that area. Maybe they were trying to figure out if they could support that big a structure in that space, in that area. But anyway, I believe because of trying to figure that out and ultimately deleting it and doing something else, that's what caused it to take so long to get this thing built. That said, it was embraced by guests. Where guests before just kind of went in and out of it, you could see people just wanted to stay and linger. Last night, after the luminous fireworks, we were there for another hour, full hour afterwards before we left. And there were still well over 100, 150 people in that gardens area just taking it all in. They were all standing around the planter. And I thought, well, this is kind of weird. There's no fountain. There's no centerpiece other than these flowers, and they're not even well lit. I mean, there's all this lighting effect in the ground and pavement around it, but all these people are just standing around the planter. And then I realized, well, isn't that what they do at the hub? At the Magic Kingdom, they all stand in that centerpiece and there's nothing but planters. Um, I think they were doing that. I think they were just taking it all in. We grabbed a table and just enjoyed and chatted and talked. And it was just great. I think this has been very well embraced, at least on day one, to guess. And I think it's a great homage to Walt with the Dreamer statue and just the whole sense of what Epcot was going to be like in that sense of community and feel. I, I think the I think the designers ultimately have done a very fine job. Would I have liked to have kept those big fountains? Yes. Do I think those big fountains would have stayed if they hadn't gone and moved toward the festival center originally? Yes. That would have been really great, but that has moved on and and what is there is lovely. And by the way, going back to those original fountains, it was really hard to just take in and absorb that because those fountains cascaded down. They sat up high, so you couldn't look down on the fountains. And the fountain shows were amazing, but you just kind of looked at it for a minute or two and then you marched on. There were It really wasn't, there wasn't a space to just grab a seat and take it all in and just enjoy it. Sometimes you do that nearby the outdoor seating of electric umbrella, but, or maybe at the Starbucks, wasn't, wasn't quite that. But um, at any rate, what is there? The new World Celebration Gardens uh, is very cool. And there's a new Communicore building. I would say that's probably gonna be done. They're targeting, hopefully maybe, to be done in time for the, um, uh, flower and garden festival because again it's supposed to be a festival center and then uh, you know we have a new test track coming in sometime next year that's that too is is going to be a really a cool addition now we bring ourselves to luminous let me tell you last night there were a lot of people who showed up to this and even though i said we left a full hour after the ending of the show. There were crowds still in the parking lot trying to get out of the whole um, area. It was a lot of people who wanted to see the show. It mattered to them. In social media, you've probably already seen that there are some who love it and some who hate it. 
let me offer some thoughts around Luminous. First off, I think the show makes kind of a nod and an acknowledgement to other previous shows. The original Illuminations always began with greetings from a round world showcase. And that's how this show begins with people from different countries in their own language greeting us. That was cool. Illuminations 25, which occurred during the 25th anniversary of Walt Disney World, yeah, 25 years ago, played around the idea, the notion in its closing number, the circle of life, and did that musical number. Thank you for not doing that number. But it was around this idea of, again, circle of life, which is a theme played out here in this fireworks without using that song. It was also the first Illumination show, as I can think of, that used Disney music or used an IP-related piece of music with it. It, um, it was very reminiscent of Illumination's Reflections of, of Earth at the end because out of these barges, which is also uh, a nod to Harmonious. Now, there are a series of barges. There were four plus the Stargate in Harmonious. Here we have more of an octagon made of all these barges, but there was a centerpiece to the barge that I think was added at the last, that didn't get there until the last minute. And you don't see it because the barges are all surrounding this piece. But at the very end, this tower comes up and it emits fireworks in a rotation that it, it, it's like the machine gun of pyro. It just boom and and it just floods f fireworks in every direction, like a flower kind of bursting forth. It is, and it was very reminiscent of how the old globe would open up and then remember there was a pyro stack that came out of the top of it. It was very reminiscent of that. Although if you were to go look at that little poof, you know, the little fire coming out of it, a little pyro coming out of it. This is nothing like that. This is totally, totally blow you away in terms of pyro. Um, and, and also, like Harmonious, I love the fact that many of the songs were sung in different languages. You had a little bit of that. I could have used a little bit more. But, um, but I liked that effect here in this show. Um, they made a big emphasis on the fact that, hey, these barges, we can move them in during the day and take them out at the end of the show and move them back in the next day. That was a little humorous because yesterday when I got into the park at opening, they were already in position for the day. I think they didn't want to take any risks with the opening night of something going wrong with and the idea of taking all these barges and, you know, moving them out, you know, twice a day seems, uh, well, moving them out and then moving them back in. Uh, it just seems like you are setting yourself up for some kind of accident at some point. And when you got all this pyro and, and laser and color and electrical and water, I just, it, any rate, the barges don't sit up as high as the previous LED barges, nor do they have the arms that the previous harmonious barges had. So it's, it's, and there's no Stargate. There is no Stargate, which means there's no water projection. There's no LED. There's no water projection. And, but they, they, they made a real emphasis that, that this thing was going to go away and come out late afternoon. 
And they also made an emphasis around the fact that everybody have an equal view, which was the problem with Stargate. You kind of felt like, oh, well, you can't see that thing. And it wasn't that great to see because it was projection on water. But you can't see that thing from, you know, over in Italy or over in um, UK. So this, they've really emphasized everybody's got an equal view. And in some ways, what I loved about this show is that they not only did they have this this octagon of barges, they had a smaller barge. They've always had smaller barges, but the smaller barges did nothing more than launch pyro. Oh, sometimes they would have um, a little um, light that would come on at the end, a kind of flare that would come on. No, these little barges had their own fountains. These little barges had their own color. These little barges had their pyro, and they they were just... Um, and there were twice as many of those and they were all out. And so the effect when everything was on is the thing just looked like it and encompassed uh, a great deal of world showcase uh, lagoon. It really seemed like it was a much broader kind of bigger thing. It seems from the front of world showcase lagoon that it's fairly close to you. We were, we brought our autistic son and he has a favorite place. I've mentioned this in other podcasts. It is adjacent in a pathway leading toward the back of um, uh, Rosencrown Pub at UK. How we came to feeling like this is the place to say, I don't know. But that is his favorite place. It has never been a recommendation for being a close place. But let me tell you from where we were, we saw a beautiful show. It just it just spread out in front of us. I had a hard time capturing it all on camera because there was so much of it both horizontally and vertically going on. Um, now, this show is about birth. It's about play. It's about love. It's about loss. And it's about hope. These are all Disney themes that are played out in films all the time. In my wife's words, they could actually be a little bit of a trigger for some based on how they play it out. Some have said that the music is a little slower, particularly when you get into the, to this section on, on loss or even on birth. Um, using Disney songs like If She Loved Me or You'll Be... Um, uh, the Tarzan song, uh, the lullaby in Target in the Tarzan film. All of this said and done, the show is so encompassing. Um, it does not have projections. In fact, this is a quotation from Steve Davison. This quote: "This will be a whole thing." Oh, why are there why aren't there projections in the show? It's on purpose. Because by putting projections in the show, we're telling you what to see. By not putting it there, by using color and light and texture and sound, we're letting you paint your own journey in your mind. Well, I kind of miss the LED aspect of it. I don't miss projection. If you want to go see projection on screen, go see Fantasmic. Um, if they really felt that, they would do no projections on World of Color. Although... Honestly, as somebody mentioned, reminded me last night, it this show does the whole look with the fountains kind of reminds you of World of Color. It's like they have made a way of staging 
a move-in, move-out world of color show. Um, and let me tell you, yeah, while I really did want the LED imagery, I didn't necessarily want it at Disney things. I liked the, the imagery on the globe with illuminations because it showed people and places and a, a real world kind of set of images. And I liked that better than the Disney static imagery we saw in Harmonious. All that said and done, I didn't miss any of it because there is so much to see. I have never seen a show make better use of light, of water, of music, of laser, of fireworks, all in one. It is sophisticated. There were image, there were effects with pyro that I had never seen. They did not go cheap on pyro. I could count on illuminations the number of times you would see, for instance, the perimeter fireworks. Those are the ones that that launch from around the edge of the lagoon, and you and and based on budget moments, you would get two different numbers. One being, I think, five times for the big days and three times for the little days. Here. I couldn't account the number of times perimeter fireworks went out. And these little barges, along with the main barges, were just launching more and more and more and more pyro throughout this thing. It did not, it did not skimp on, if you want to see a great fireworks show, this is it. You can go put on your headset so you don't have to listen to any of it. But let me just assure you, you are going to be seeing a quality fireworks spectacular. It was just so impressive. Um, I liked the music. The music didn't overplay itself. It didn't stick around in any one segment too long. It set the stage. It allowed you to utilize the fireworks and the lighting and the fountains. And then it moved on. If you look at video like I will have of this show, I'm going to have a multi-angle view of this show. If you look at that and then you go back to original Illumination shows, even um, the one that everyone has loved for so long um, that came out during the millennium, you you will see that this is at a, at a whole different level than any fireworks show um, I've seen before. Now... In order to get my son to attend to this, I had to say, oh, it's harmonious too. And I say this because he had gone, thank you, John um, and Lori, uh, my good friends who invited us over to see the 4th of July fireworks. But somehow my son thought he was going to go see the fireworks that um, happen every night. Um, or no, yeah, and so when this whole salute to America came on the 4th of July, he was screaming, no America, no America. He did not want a different fireworks. So we had to make it clear. This is a different fireworks than Harmonious, but we called it Harmonious too. I mean, Luminous, Harmonious, and to an autistic kid, probably it kind of all sounds the same anyway. So it's us, 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 you know? So we we stage it as such. Well, let me tell you, my son loves this show and you could tell he was like putting his hands in the air. He was dancing with his plush penguin. He was he was absolutely ecstatic about this show. More amazing 
was the show ended. And my wife turned around and she was emotional. And I'm the Disney person. I'm the one who just loves all things Disney and gets emotional for it. She was truly touched and impressed by what she had seen. It, you, I could see that this family is going to come back to the show a lot because they love what they saw. Even more interesting to me was that as we were exiting, the number of people who didn't exit, they just stayed around afterwards, talking about it, enjoying their time together. I think if you had had more food and beverage, they would have taken more. Uh, and all this despite the fact that it was kind of cold last night. Um, there is a post-show going on the lagoon. At one point has a nod to Figment and Journey to Imagination. It was a little short compared to the Harmonious show. So that was a little on the side of disappointing. But, but it was still... People, I could see that people really enjoyed seeing the show. Now, I don't think any show is embraced until you have built memories of it. And that's what made Illumination's Reflections of the Earth so popular. It had gone on for 20 years. People had raised their children through that show. You need something like this to go on for another 10, 20 years. Will it go on that long? Will we change it out more often? I thought Reflections of of light needed to be changed out sooner than it was. But I think for people to really embrace it, it, it needs a longer playing time. There were people who clearly loved Harmonious and for good reasons. Harmonious was a very good show. I liked the choices in music, particularly the ending from Hunchback far more. I love the opening far more. Here they have original music opening and ending. I didn't connect with it emotionally, but then I didn't connect with the emotion with the music from Reflections of Light uh, with Illuminations for several years after we bought the CD and listened to it and listened to it and listened to it. Then we became connected to it. I think we'll become connected to this in time as well. I didn't see any souvenirs in the gift shop that morning, but I did see people wearing jackets saying Luminous. I think there'll be a lot of... of um, I think this will be a rite of passage fireworks because it is about life and how life moves on. I think I think there will be a lot of people who will come here at different milestones in their life. Maybe they got married. Maybe they recently lost someone. But they're going to come back and see the show because um, it, it has meaning to them. So we've gone on to cover two major milestone events that have occurred for Epcot yesterday. And they're not perfect, but they are very, very good. And all in all, this feels not just like a completed Epcot, but perhaps a better Epcot than ever before. When I think about when was Epcot at its very best, I go around somewhere between the period of 1998 and 2000. In 1998, you had Horizon still very much there. In 2000, you then had Illuminations, Reflections of Light. In this period, you had the Wonders of Life building 
And before 2000, you had a far better journey into imagination attraction. So when I think about great periods of time for Epcot, I really like that, that time, that time frame. But I have to say, when you think about it, today's Epcot has things that were never there during that special period of time. You have Soren, which is a phenomenal attraction. You have Guardians of the Galaxy, which for all of my I really miss dinosaurs, this is a wow, thrill attraction like no other. You have Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. You have Mission Space, which I got to say, a lot of people are not big Mission Space people. I wrote it in orange mode, of all things, for the first time in forever. I've done green mode many times, but it was the first time I've done orange mode. And I got to say, while this may not be the attraction for all, you have to respect the fact that the technology, and this is a very Epcot-like attraction because you are given an astronaut similar, simulator style experience. It is, it is in its own technology a wow. I mentioned Remy's Ratatouille, which was not there back in 98 or 2000. You have many of the old attractions now improved. Seas with Finding Nemo, not perfect. Not like the submarines at Disneyland, but far better than what the old seas was. You have Grand Fiesta Tour, which is better than Rio del Tiempo. And you have Frozen Ever After, which, again, could improve those animatronics, but it's still a whole lot better than Maelstrom. You have a bigger slate of festival experiences than you were having back there 24 years ago. You have better um, and more dining choices than ever before. Um, you have a new test track that's now coming along its way. And and with yesterday, you have a better park hub. You have a better fireworks experience. You really have a better Epcot than you have ever had before. If you want to talk about the best time to be at Epcot, I got to tell you, it's really now. And I think it's only going to get better. Yes, you need to improve imagination. Yes, there should be something in Wonders of Life. Yes, I would love Mary Poppins. But right now, today's Epcot is better than any Epcot that has happened before. So I invite you, if you haven't had a chance, go back and try again Epcot. Well, that does it for this Disney Insights podcast. We've covered a lot of things today. I want to remind you that uh, my newest book, A Century of Powerful Disney Insights on Amazon. This is the best Christmas gift stocking stuffer you can give. It's a great way to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company. It's going to get you so ready for your next Disney trip because it's going to it's just going to put you in that in that place. The Walt Disney Company now is so amazing, and yet it began those first 50 years with Walt and Roy. Volume 1 covers that, from Oswald the Lucky Rabbit and Mickey Mouse through Snow White and Cinderella, Mouseketeers and Mary Poppins, Disneyland, and then ultimately Walt Disney World. This book shares insights and stories from 1923 to 1973. You'll be inspired with ideas about how you can apply it to your own life and work. And I'm amazed by the number of people who not only have chosen this, but they've gone on to 
choose my other books, which I don't talk a lot about, but the wonderful world of customer service at Disney and Disney leadership in you, the sales of that, it's just been very exciting to see the number of people who've checked out those books as well. If you haven't, make sure you do that. Know that if you want to bring excellence to your organizations, in, or to your business, to your organization, that's what I do as a keynote speaker, as a consultant, offering support through a variety of classroom, uh, keynotes, uh, leadership tools, all sorts of things to help support you. So, hey, check out Performance Journeys or just simply give me a call and let's talk about your needs and how you can create a community of tomorrow unlike any other in your own organization. Well, that does it for this Disney Insights. Again, thanks for joining us. If you have a chance, please put up a positive rating on um, iTunes or wherever you um, listen to your podcasts and uh, check us out at DisneyInsights.com. Check us out on our YouTube page. We'll have some new videos there. And as always, follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.